Good morning again. I can't remember if I said this earlier or not, but I'm Dave. I'm the lead pastor here. If you are visiting this morning, great to have you here. And a happy Mother's Day to all the mums in the room. Uh, we think mums are brilliant. Well done, Olivia. She's a mum, but she's also a leader at Connect Youth, and we think she's fantastic. And uh, thank you for uh, sharing those announcements for us this morning. Uh, so as a gift... To every mum this morning, we don't want you to leave empty-handed because we think you are so amazing. So as you leave the gym this morning, there's a table just over the back there, and we have had a mug made for every mum in the room this morning. So you're going to get to take this beautiful mug home with you, our little gift to you. Now, I do have to apologize. There was a little oversight here, and there's a bit of a typo. It's got a Connect logo and a lovely heart, but they've spelt mom, M-O-M. <sighs> I'm sorry, because obviously mum is M-U-M. So uh, I apologize that it says mom and not mum. For those who have never been to a Mother's Day service, this is a joke I make every year (laughs) and will continue for the rest of my days. But uh, in England, we call them mums. So when I refer to mums this morning, I'm not talking about the plants that uh, you see on your uh, porch. I'm talking about you, mums. So um, I hope if you uh, uh, had the chance this morning, if you didn't, they're still out there. We've got these uh, great kind of sets set up out there for you to get a picture with your family this morning. Um, I hope you get a chance to do that. We've actually set it up so you can use your own phone and just someone will take a picture of your whole family together and then you can upload it to Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever you could do. You could print it, I guess, and put it on your fridge if you don't do any of that. But um, if you do the hashtag ConnectMom, Okay, Connect Moms, M-O-M-S. Uh, I know, spelled it wrong again. Uh, we're actually going to look through that, those social media uh, outlets this week, and we are going to pick a winner. Somebody who hashtags Connect Moms will win a $50 chamber gift card for uh, somewhere here in Washington. So put on your best smiles and uh, upload those pictures, and someone is going to be a winner. You know, um, something I always like to do on Mother's Day as well is just acknowledge the fact that I know that while for many of us this morning, Mother's Day is a celebration, a cause to be thankful for the mums in our lives and to to just kind of really celebrate them and spoil them throughout the day, I know... Um, I know that for some people, Mother's Day can be a challenge. I've actually got some, some friends here in Connect for whom Mother's Day uh, sometimes actually just brings some pain, some memories. And I want to pause here in the moment and uh, say a prayer for all of those here this morning who maybe Mother's Day isn't as uh, much of a celebration for whatever reason that may be. So let's pray together here. Father, we pray this morning for the mums who have lost children. We pray for those here this morning who maybe have lost mothers. Maybe this could be the first Mother's Day without mum. Lord, we pray for those who have strained relationships with Mother's Day, and this seems to just kind of magnify that that difficult relationship. We pray for the mums here this morning who have strained relationships with their children, and who Mother's Day, as they look around and they see these pictures online, it just kind of makes their hearts hurt a little more, Lord, as they realize the, the difficult stage that their relationship is in right now. We pray, Lord, for those who have chosen not to be mothers, that they wouldn't feel any less this morning, but they would be uh, just as celebrated and loved by you and all of us this morning. And we pray for those this morning, Lord, that are yearning to be mothers, who that's their desire, but for whatever reason, it hasn't come to pass yet, Lord, and just another Mother's Day coming around can bring a little bit more pain and disappointment. If there are any here this morning with heavy hearts that 
this Mother's Day magnifies, Lord. Just let them find comfort and love from you this morning. Bless them, I pray, and uh, just be with them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for allowing us just to kind of pause and, and say that prayer there. So, for you mums out there who, who maybe Mother's Day is a, a great time to celebrate and your kids wrote some handmade cards and uh, your dad, those dads who ran next door and pulled flowers out of the neighbor's yards to give to the kids, to give to, to, give to their mum because they didn't remember till this morning that it was Mother's Day. Um, maybe you mums, you kind of look back at the last week or so and you're like, ah, you know what, I'm going to see all these pictures, these great families and these great mums, and I can remember this week shouting at my kids, I remember this thing happened this week, and you're kind of down. I, I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you, and here's how I want to encourage you. I want to tell you a story about a friend of mine and something that happened to her as a mum with her, uh, her four-year-old son. So this friend, I, I, I called her this week, I said, can I tell that story? She's like, yeah, you can tell that story. She's not here, sadly, this morning to hear the story, but it is a wonderful story. So her four-year-old son came to her one day, he's like, mum... Mum, my ear's really hurting. He's like, Mum, it's, it's really, really. She's like, what is it, honey? What is it? He goes, I need medicine to kill whatever is in my ear. And she says, honey, did you put something in your ear? He says, maybe. And he starts to cry. And she's like, oh. So she gets her phone and uh, she kind of turns the magnifying glass and the light and she looks inside his ear and lo and behold, she can see what appears to be just kind of a little golden blue Lego helmet. Yeah in his ear. She's like, oh, honey. And she's, she's thinking, I need to get that out. But then she's like, oh, if I try and get it out, I'm going to be in danger of pushing it further in. And he's still crying. He's still pointing to his ear. And she's like, oh, dear. And she's like, you know, I'm going to have to take you to the prompt care. We've got no choice. We're going to have to go, honey, to the prompt care. And he's like, okay. And he's still crying. Now, my friend, she had a busy evening. She's uh, in the hair business. And um, she's a hairstylist. So she had to cancel all of her appointments for that evening. She explained, we've got a crisis with my son. I've got to take him to the prompt care. So off they went to the prompt care. And she's sitting there. He's still crying. He's still holding his ear, still pointing. She's like, it's okay, honey. The doctor will be here soon. It's all going to be okay. And they get in. And they're sitting in the doctor's office and still crying, still holding his ear and, and finally in comes the doctor he's an ear nose and throat specialist he's got his special tool to look in and, and he comes around he flicks on the line he looks in and he says uh-huh there's nothing in there she's like there is because I saw it he goes well you can come and look yourself and uh, she comes around and she looks through his instrument and she sees uh, just kind of some wax that could <laughs> could under certain light look a little bit like a Lego helmet uh, <laughs> But nothing else in there. She can't understand. And then her four-year-old turns to her and says, Mom, you just walked the prank. <laughs> so walking the prank is a hidden camera um, prank show on Disney <laughs> that happened to be this young man's favorite show. And <laughs> I guess he felt, you know what? I could be on this show. I want to do that. I bet I could prank my mom. <laughs> And he did. <laughs> in fact, the only thing I'm disappointed about in this story is that on the show, there's a hidden camera and it gets to reveal the expression on the, the person's face when they realize they've been pranked. There is no video of this mum's face. And it's probably a good thing. It's probably, uh, 
what she's looked like, maybe what she said. Uh, it's probably a good thing because uh, there is a video that she recorded on Facebook where she's telling this story about her beautiful, precious son, four years old, who pranked her all the way to the prompt care in the doctor's office. And uh, she's actually videoing from the bathroom in her home. She goes, I'm in the bathroom, he's in his bedroom, and I'm just trying to figure out what to do. What am I going to do with this kid? <laughs> Parents, I need some help. So, however your week's been, if you weren't in an emergency room with your four-year-old being pranked, you've had a pretty good week. Okay, so uh, well done to all you mums out there. Hey, you think it's uh, tough at times being a mum? I want to talk a little bit this morning about a mum in Bible times who, um, at a, this particular time, it was just a very difficult uh, stage that these, these group of people were going through. It's actually the Israelite mums during the time of Moses. So you might remember earlier, it was actually about uh, the fall of last year, we did a series, a series on the life of Joseph. And we were talking about Joseph and this amazing plan that um, God had for his life and how despite many challenges along the way, he finally found himself in this position of power in Egypt. And Joseph changed the world. He actually, because of his wisdom and the dreams that he'd had, he able to save an entire population from starving. As a result, his family and his brothers, they were all moved with their families to Egypt. And this Jewish population in Egypt, it began to grow. Joseph was a Jew himself. All of his brothers were, were Hebrews. So this, this population, their family started to grow and grow here in Israel, in, in uh, Egypt. So time goes by and a new Pharaoh now finds himself in charge. And he doesn't remember the times of Joseph. And we see that things take a turn for the worse. Listen to this in Exodus chapter 1, verse 6 through 11. In, the time, in time, Joseph and all of his brothers died, ending that entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. And this began a, a time in history where the, the, the Jewish people were now slaves in Egypt. Thousands, hundreds of thousands are now living in slavery in Egypt. And that wasn't the worst of it. In chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Puah. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. So Pharaoh has this idea that not only do they want to enslave this population, they want to control the growth of this population. So he decides to have all the infant boys killed. Now, the midwives, their, their hearts were big. They didn't want to do this. They made up this story saying that the Hebrew women were having the babies too quickly. So by the time they got there, they, they couldn't find out if it was a boy or a girl. So, so instead, Pharaoh issued a new decree. Pharaoh said, well, in that case, I want my soldiers to go around the land and every Hebrew infant boy that is found is to be thrown into the river. This was a terrifying time for the Hebrew people, a tragic time. Now, as you can imagine, this had to be traumatic on, on every single Hebrew parent. But we get to find out about this through the lens of one particular parent, in, in, and, and this is Moses' family. The family of Moses. 
we discover that they've had this baby boy named Moses, and, and the mum realizes that um, if the soldiers find out, Pharaoh's army find out, they're gonna, he's going to lose his life. She's desperate to see her son protected. So she, she actually gets creative. She makes this basket. And some of you may remember this. She makes this basket and she puts this tiny baby in the basket and she sets him in the river, just hoping and praying that God will somehow spare her baby son. And then the miraculous happens. The basket flows down river a little bit and it turns out that Pharaoh's daughter and her servants are there in the river that day bathing. And along comes this basket and Pharaoh's daughter finds this basket. She opens it. She sees this beautiful baby boy inside. She realizes it's probably one of the Hebrew babies, but she's so in love. She sees this baby and she's so moved looking at this little baby. She says, you know, I want to adopt this baby. Now, unbeknownst to her, Moses' sister his older sister had been watching this all play out. And Pharaoh's daughter, she says, I want to adopt this baby, but because it's still an infant, it's still nursing, I'm going to have to find someone who can continue to nurse this baby. The daughter hears this. She goes over, she goes, I know a, a Hebrew woman who would be able to nurse the baby for you. And Moses' mother is connected with the daughter of Pharaoh. And the daughter of Pharaoh says, then I need you to nurse this baby. So now, miraculously, Moses' mother gets to nurse her own son until he's old enough. And then she gives him to Pharaoh's daughter. And Pharaoh's daughter raises Moses as her own in Pharaoh's palace. And the craziest part of this story is that eventually, this baby, who grew up to be a teenager and a young man, Years later, we'll stand before Pharaoh himself as the man appointed by God to free all of the Israelites from slavery. One day in the future, he will stand before Pharaoh and say, you are to let God's people go. And he will lead these people into the promised land. It's a great story, but a story for another day because I want to focus in this morning just on Moses' mom for a couple of minutes here. Just on some of the characteristics that we see in the mother of Moses. Because if you saw that video that opened up right before I got up to speak, it talked about this, this idea, what if God wants to be reflected? What if God himself wants to be reflected through what we see in the great mums in this world? What are some of the characteristics that we think of when we think of our mums and when we think of great mums in our lives? What if it was that the God himself wants to be reflected through some of those wonderful characteristics? You see, I know the Bible refers to God in this patriarchal form of Father God and uses the pronoun he when referring to him. But the truth is that all of us here this morning, man and woman, um, are made in God's image. That's what the Bible says. We're made in the image of God, which means that you will find attributes of God both in, in men and in women. That you can see reflected in both the characteristics of what makes men men or what makes women women. You'll see some of those characteristics. You can see God reflected through them. And we're going to look this morning at the characteristics that you can find in Moses' mum. And in all great mums. The first is that there is no doubt that Moses' mum loved her son. It never crossed her mind to have her son be killed. In fact, some of you moms here this morning, when I started to tell that story, your, your hearts just broke for a second at the thought of what it must have been like to have been a parent in those days. There's just something about the love that only a mum can give. You've probably heard of Thomas Edison. He was one of the greatest inventors in modern history. 
You know, history tells us that he was taught primarily by his mum. This quote from Edison in this newspaper article explains why. I came across this quote. It says, one day, and this is Edison speaking, one day I overheard the teacher tell the inspector that I was addled. I had to look that up. It's uh, unable to think clearly or confused. So uh, back in the uh, early 1900s, I think addled was a word we used a lot more than we do today. So... um, One day I overheard the teacher tell the inspector that I was adult and it would not be worthwhile keeping me in school any longer. This is Thomas Edison, one of the greatest inventors of our time. I was so hurt by this last straw that I burst out crying and went home and told my mother about it. Then I found out what a good thing a good mother is. She came out as my strong defender. Mother love was aroused, mother pride wounded to the quick. She brought me back to the school and angrily told the teacher that he didn't know what he was talking about and that I had more brains than he himself. (laughs) And a lot more talk like that. In fact, she was the most enthusiastic champion a boy ever had. And I determined right then that I would be worthy of her and show her that her confidence was not misplaced. I tell you, just don't mess with mum. <laughs> All right? She will. She's got your back. And mum's love is so reflective of God's love, and yet it's still just a glimpse. God's love, if, if you picture the love a mum can have for a child, it's just a glimpse of the love that God has for all of us this morning. God doesn't just love you this morning. God is love. In 1 John 4, 7, 8, talking about the love of God. John writes, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. He's saying that love isn't just something that's in God, and and we God is love. And we get to see just a tiny amount of that love reflected through the way mothers love so dearly their children. You know, as well as it being obvious that uh, Moses' mother loved him, she also wants to protect him. There was an attribute of this mum that she wanted to protect that baby boy of hers. Putting him in that dark basket was a desperate act, but her mother's heart to protect her son drove her to do whatever it took to see him spared. Mothers can get very protective, can't they? My, uh, my boys, Ben and Will, it's their job to cut the grass. And uh, a few years ago when they started out on this little journey of cutting the grass, they had this system where they would cut half each. They thought that was fair, like one would cut one half, one would cut the other. Um, well, then what started to happen was with their schedules and soccer and stuff like that, one would cut his half on Monday and it would be like Friday before the other one could cut his half. So for an entire season, our yard was just like this. It was never like fully even. It was always... So last year or the year before, I think it was, we, we came up with a new system. You cut the entire yard, but then you get a break and your brother does it next time. So I'm sitting in my living room one day and I'm kind of looking through the screen doors and I can see Ben, my oldest son, he's cutting the grass. And, and as I glance out, I'm like, what is going on? Because he stopped cutting the grass and now he's just kind of running with his arms flailing around in circles around the lawnmower. And I, I go to the window to look and see what happens. Well, it turns out there's a tree in our yard and there's a bird's nest in the tree. And this bird had just had babies. There was a little baby bird. So every time he was getting close to the tree with the mower, this mother bird would fly out of the tree and would dive bomb him. (laughs) 
And I'm watching Ben because he said, it was just freaky, Dad. Because I asked him, I said, can I tell this story? He goes, yeah. And he's giving me like not only full rights to the story, but his version of the story. So because there's much more to it. Um, he says, freaky, because I couldn't see it. I just hear it buzz me. It was like, vroom, vroom, You go... <laughs> So he said he ran to the garage and got a broom, and he set it in the yard, and every time she got close, he would grab the broom and go, yeah, come on! <laughs> Never saw the bird, but really let, let her know who was in charge. Um, I know you're doing a great job of picturing that in your mind, but just in case you're not, I wish I had video of my son. I don't, but I did find this video. Check this out. <laughs> what? <laughs> Get close to him. Get closer to him. video for a couple of reasons. First, and both illustrate my point of a mother's protective love, um, these were some mother birds that when these people got too close, they wanted to protect their baby birds, so they attacked, okay? But did you notice something about the last two clips, uh, two little children being attacked by birds? Uh, who was videoing those clips? <laughs> yeah, a couple of dads. <laughs> did you feel that they were being protective, or did you feel... <laughs> I didn't get any element of protection at all. I got a lot of laughter from those dads, and I pictured myself doing the exact same thing. Um, had they been mothers, we wouldn't have those videos because those mums would have run to protect their precious children and get them off their backs being pecked to death by a duck. There's just something about the protection of a mum, and it's a reflection of who God is. Do you know, Jesus, when he was coming to Jerusalem, just, just days before his crucifixion, he looked out of Jerusalem. He had such passion and compassion for the people of Jerusalem. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones, God's messengers, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. Jesus gives us this picture, not of a, uh, in this instance, not of a warrior with a sword or a shield, but when talking about love and protection, he talks about a mother hen protecting her chicks. He wants us and the people of Israel at this time, the people of Jerusalem, to realize that God not only loves us like a mother loves a child, wants to protect us like a mother bird would try and protect their children. That's how much God loves you this morning wants to protect you and love you and, and let you experience that in your lives. You know, there's another thing 
that we learn from the story of Moses' mom, and that was miraculously, she was actually still able to comfort him. She was still able to comfort him. Despite him being an infant, this had to be a very traumatic time for Moses. It could have ended far worse, but thankfully, not only was he rescued by Pharaoh's daughter, he was reunited with his own mom so that she could raise and comfort him, nurse him and, and nurture him and look after him until he was old enough to be, to be passed on to Pharaoh's daughter, to live and to be raised. But she was able to comfort him. Do you know, the dictionary defines the word comfort in this way, to ease the grief of or distress of or to console. To ease the grief or the distress or to console. You know, that's, that's how a mother comforts. I've got three wonderful kids. They're all getting older now. But throughout their lives, when, when they're sick, when they've hurt themselves, when they're scared, I, I mean, it's like they just run straight by me. <laughs> I'm like... They just want mom to comfort them. There's just something about the comforting nature of a mother. There's a book I'm reading right now about um, different traumatic events that have happened in different situations in the lives of children. It's written by a psychologist who works with a lot of children who have been through incredibly traumatic things. He was the psychologist who was over the team working with the children who were rescued from Waco, Texas during that uh, siege when that guy, David Koresh, burnt the compound down and some of the children survived. He, so he, he deals with children who have been through incredibly traumatic situations. He talks about in one of the chapters a kid, a boy who he met in his early teens, his name was Connor. Connor's not his real name. He, he makes up names for all these kids to protect their identity. But when talking about Connor, he says that Connor had um, physical and emotional and mental problems that just didn't kind of make sense. They didn't fit his age. Not only was he struggling emotionally and mentally, but even physically in the way he walked and the way he carried himself, there was obviously some kind of traumatic experience that had happened in this young man's life. As a result of all these issues he was going through, he'd been diagnosed with dozens of different disorders, put on all sorts of different medications, and finally his parents, at their wit's end, willing to try anything, came in contact with this author, this psychologist who deals specifically with children uh, with, with traumatic situations. After the author had spent some time with, with the son, Connor, with the parents, talking to them, finding out his story, he's, he discovered something shocking. Turns out that when Connor was a baby boy, about six months old, a cousin of the mum agreed to watch him during the day because both parents had full-time jobs. This is a quote from the book. It says, unfortunately, unbeknownst to the parents, the cousin took another job just after agreeing to work for them. Wanted to make extra money, she didn't tell Jane or Mark that she was leaving the child on his own and working another job. She would feed and change the baby in the morning, leave for work, feed and change him at lunchtime, and then returns just before his parents came home from their jobs. She was worried about diaper rash or the possibility of a fire or other danger while the child was on his own, but not about how damaging those actions could have been on that little boy. After about a year of this, at 18 months, the mom came home early one day and she discovered her child alone. She confronted the cousin who then quit her job Sorry, she confronted the cousin and the cousin was fired from her job. And then mum took over raising the child, just thanking God that nothing serious had happened during that time. However, the author explained that something serious had happened during that time. 
He explained that for a year during that crucial time of development, this child, Connor, had not received the comfort that a child needs to develop. Just the simple comfort that a mother can provide a child just during that infancy time. And because of that, the author discovered that this was the root of the problem. This is what caused all of his mental and emotional, even his physical problems. Because of that crucial developmental time in his life, he just hadn't had the comfort that every one of us was wired to receive in infancy. Fortunately, the chapter continues to show how once the author realized this, he was able to target specific areas with this now teenager. He came off all medication. His physical symptoms corrected himself. Following that, they saw huge improvements in his social and his mental condition. And a once incredibly troubled teenager went on to finish high school and graduate college and live a somewhat normal life. You know, the truth is, you may have taken for granted this morning that you grew up in a healthy, um, strong environment, but many of us this morning, we need to be thankful and fortunate and grateful that we had a mother who comforted us. And I think even that idea of the comfort that only a mother can bring in the way that it affects our development, I think God wants to comfort us in just the same way. In Isaiah 66, 13, it says, I will comfort you there in Jerusalem as a mother comforts her child. God wants to be your source of comfort. In the same way that the boy in the book suffered incredibly during, due to this lack of love and comfort that only a mom can bring, I don't believe God intended us for us to ever go through life without his comfort, without his love, and without his protection. And this morning on this Mother's Day, as we kind of reflect on how wonderful moms are, I want you to realize that that's just, like that video said, it's almost just a reflection of just how great God's love and protection and comfort is for you. And the same way that that poor little guy who, who uh, started out life just with, with all sorts of problems because he didn't receive that at that crucial time, God doesn't want you to miss out on his love and his comfort and his protection in your life. So don't miss that opportunity to say, God, I want you to be that person in my life. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, we love you so much. And on this Mother's Day, we thank you, God, that some of the greatest characteristics of what we think of in motherhood, of love and comfort and protection, they're, they're actually just a reflection, just a glimpse of just how great you are, Lord, how much you love us, how much you want to comfort us, Lord, how much you want to protect us. So God, this morning I pray in Jesus' name that everyone would know that love and that comfort and that protection. I pray for every mum here. Bless them, I pray. Let them be celebrated today. Let it be a great day with family and grandkids and kids and just a wonderful day as family together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.